0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Council. Um, I'm your host, Charlie Pacello. And it's our 100th show. Thank you for tuning in today. And boy, is there a lot going on in the world right now. And I just want everybody to take a look uh, at the picture that's on the screen behind me. That is a, a picture that is uh, happening right now. And uh, this is what our, our veterans, this is what our military is all about. It's about helping those in need about giving people a chance to live a life that they didn't know that they could possibly, possibly have. This veteran is holding this baby in his arms. And, yeah, he's armored up, but here, without people like the men and women in our military, thousands, if not millions of people don't get the gift of freedom. I think it's one of the most powerful images that we can do right now to give our veterans and our military to know that what you sacrificed and what you did in Afghanistan was worth it. It was worth it. You did honorable things. You went there with a purpose to give and sacrifice and serve this nation and to give people an opportunity to taste something that they never had a chance to taste, which is freedom, which is freedom. We get lost up and caught up in all kinds of st- conversations about different things, and uh, you know, in, imperialism. You know, that's a bunch of nonsense. What we're about is giving people freedom, liberty to be, to live, to give a chance to taste that. Many of my friends in the Air Force are uh, are trying desperately to get their Afghan friends uh, out and their families out before the horrors that they expect to happen begin to occur. I watched an army veteran speak about how the man who saved him in Afghanistan before their communication was cut off, how he forgave us, America, and him for betraying and abandoning, abandoning them to the Taliban. The moral injury that's going to unfold in our veteran community, I think, is going to be pretty, pretty big. And we need to, as healers and as counselors and as therapists, we need to be ready for that. And we need to be willing to listen to them. Um, a lot of the corners I'm connected with in the military, there's anger, there's betrayal, and moral shame about how we consigned an entire population, almost 38 million people, and the Afghan women and girls to a brutal regime. And it's already starting to happen. I feel such deep shame for the promises we made and didn't keep again. And I shed tears for all the blood spilt, for the hope we gave people for a chance of something better, and then failing to deliver on that promise. I know many of the people that went over there They went over there to make the world a better place. That's just like this image. That's why they went over there, to make the world a better place. And they feel betrayed by this country once again, the leadership for the consequences of those disastrous decisions that we're seeing unfold. It's the people on the ground, the innocents like that little baby right there, who pay the price consequences of these disastrous decisions by people who are going to go to sleep tonight in the comfort of their homes. I grieve for the mothers and the fathers holding on to their children, living in fear, not knowing what's going to come next. I grieve for the women and girls whose lives are going to change dramatically. And I grieve for the lack of leadership and resolve of the American political system that plays politics with people's lives. And I grieve over the hundreds and thousands of refugees that are fleeing their homelands in scenes that are reminiscent of Saigon. It was avoidable. This was completely avoidable. It was not inevitable. But now it's an enormous humanitarian crisis. And we need to know folks, the people that are out there, that are here to help out, to make a difference, that are making a difference right now, to help our veterans to understand, to make sense of the insensible, because this doesn't make sense. And I have the great honor of introducing to you and having on our show today the council. uh, Our our hunter show is, is Tom Kilgannon. He is the president of Freedom Alliance. It's an educational and charitable organization which honors and supports America's military and advocates for a strong national defense. Freedom Alliance saves lives and military marriages by providing recreational rehabilitation to combat wounded heroes and counseling retreats for military couples. The organization helps troops overcome the wounds of war by providing all-terrain wheelchairs to amputees, donating mortgage-free homes to combat wounded veterans and shipping care packages to troops deployed overseas, among other projects. In addition, Freedom Alliance has awarded millions of dollars in college scholarships to the sons and daughters of America's heroes who have lost life or limb for our country. In 2017, Tom was appointed by House Speaker Paul Ryan to the National Commission on Military, National, and Public Service. In its final report, the Commission offered Congress and the President 164 recommendations to improve the selective service system, civics, education, and ways to foster a greater ethos of service among America's youth. Tom is a graduate of New York University and has appeared on numerous television and radio programs, and he has published dozens of Opinion Columns and is the author of Diplomatic Divorce Why America Should End Its Love Affair with the United Nations. Their website is freedomalliance.org again that's Freedom Alliance, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, A L L I A N C E dot O R G. Tom, welcome to the council.
1: The honor is all mine, it's great to be with you and that was, uh, I know, a very difficult opening for you. Uh, But hearing your expressions on the current events is is something we all need to hear because you've been there, done that, and it is my honor to be on the program with you and to all the combat veterans and um, military personnel who are listening to us this afternoon. And I just want to begin by saying thanks for having me on the program and point to that picture that you showed earlier of that Marine holding. That young little child and say directly and right off the bat to all of those combat veterans who are struggling right now that mm-hmm. is your service it is noble it is honorable it is decent you are great public servants you are our finest ambassadors and that is how you should be thinking about your service in afghanistan iraq the first gulf war logadishu wherever it is you served you have more support across this land than I think you realize, and hopefully, my participation in this discussion will help express that.
0: Well, I know it is, and it already has already, Tom. You know, I, I think there's so many emotions that have been going through, and you've articulated some of them, and and it's just this sense of, my gosh, um, the 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 anger, the the being grief stricken, being uh, feeling the pain of the betrayal of. of my gosh, betraying our Afghan allies and our, 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 the, the, by our leaders, not by even the military people. They were, they were the ones that gave their word. They're the ones that looked into. They were the instruments of that power that was able to be able to say, you know what? Our country, we're going to be able to stand beside you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to help you. We're going to give you a chance for a different life. And, and it was those people that our government needs to answer to because they did the right thing. They did the right thing. You know, what are some of the consequences to our veteran community that our nation, if we don't do something um, to rectify the situation, quickly could happen?
1: Well, uh, Charlie, I know we're going to talk a lot about moral injury, and I think that's probably a good place to begin because, again, I, you know, I reflect on that photograph because it is just um, indicative of so many of the very difficult uh, agonizing choices that service members have to make. And you expressed the, uh, the pain sorrow, the grief, the despair that Afghan women fathers uh, must have had in their hearts in order to push that baby, you know, like a, like a mosh pit almost, push that baby toward the front of the fence line in order for it to perhaps receive safety in the arms of a, of a United States or a, or a Royal Marine. And, and, you know, that is extraordinarily difficult for those Afghan people, those innocents, Mm -hmm. but I want to draw our leaders' attention to the service member to whom that child is presented and think about the choices they have to make right there at that moment. Mm -hmm. What do they do? Do they accept that child? Do they send it back to who knows what fate it might face? under the Taliban, or death, or who knows. If they do accept it, and they put it on a plane somewhere else, they have to live for years, maybe the rest of their lives, not knowing the fate of that child, and what Mm -hmm. became of it, and where did they go, and uh, what what kind of life. And that, when when we speak of moral injury, that is part of what we are trying to get across, that American soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines when they are sent into combat zones, when they are sent on humanitarian missions, Mm -hmm. every day on every mission, they are facing difficult, incredible choices for which there is no good answer. And Mm -hmm. it is not that moment, it is that moment plus a lifetime of memories, Mm -hmm. of reliving it, of waking up because of a nightmare wondering what that child might be going through. And they struggle and they struggle and they look for answers that are not available.
0: And, I, and that's, you know, with, with, when you have to make those kinds of moral decisions, those moral questions in the moment like that, where I mean to think about an Afghan family, so going to there and handing over their future, their child, to America. I mean that the representative of the United States giving. We want you to take. We can't because at least if I give you that, maybe my child has a future. And then to see those those harrowing scenes of the people attached to the aircraft as they're being flown out, and this young man, who was a who. Who felt that he needed to hold on? If he'd just hold on tight enough, he might get across. Where else does where else does that happen? Where people are willing to sacrifice to that degree to come here? To come be here. And then the the veterans have to live with that that agony of having to make those moral choices in that moment. Who do I save? Who do I rescue? Who do I who do I choose? When so many are desperate to to leave something they know is going to be brutal.
1: That's right, Charlie. And, you know, I I think uh, all too often in our um, in our media, in our movies, uh, the the choices that are presented are too simple. Uh, We often think about our service members being over there killing terrorists. Uh, I don't think any of us agree that or would disagree that uh, that's a necessary thing. There is evil in the world and it needs to be Uh, taken out, and we applaud and love and respect uh, all of our service members for being willing to do that and take on those burdens. Mm -hmm. But when uh, it's not that they're always faced with a clear enemy. Sometimes they don't know who the enemy is, sometimes, and particularly in these wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, it is very difficult to tell the evil from the innocent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And very often the innocent are dressed up as evil or used as evil. Women and children were put in horrific positions of being used as suicide bombers, the mentally challenged um, were were put in those positions. And service members are faced with, this is an innocent who is being used for evil. Mm -hmm. What do we do? And the rules of engagement are not always clear. And so they have to uh, accept that they have to make these difficult decisions and when they do they have to live with it mm-hmm. and I think there's anything that I'd like the public to understand is that these this, these choices and these moral injuries service members have been living with them since 2001 mm-hmm. in fact they've been living with them throughout history and if you want to know more about that go to Charlie's website and his blog and he'll tell you uh, all about uh, moral injury throughout the ages but for the for the current generation of veterans. They've been living with it since 9-11-2001, their deployments to Afghanistan, to Iraq. But it is this moment in time, this weekend's events, that have really helped uh, for the public to crystallize it and for us to get a glimmer of what service members are going through.
0: Oh yeah, and it, and it is. It's something that has been around uh, for, uh, very long time it's been going on around since uh, the beginning of time as far as we know and it is something that all soldiers all warriors have to face and confront is that is the horrors and challenges and um, the fog of war and, and being able to make those very difficult choices And if you don't have a nation or society or the people standing behind you and recognizing I'm going to have you, I'm putting you into those positions. I'm putting you in that place for a greater cause. And you're willing to sacrifice your life for people that you have never even met before and and, and to give them a freedom to criticize, to condemn, to challenge, to support, whatever it may be. I'm going to do that for you. And when we when we don't recognize what the society doesn't recognize what you're putting these men and women to and what that does, they they collapse into the wound because now they feel like they carry the shame and the, the disappointment, the anger, the betrayal all on their own. And that's as a society, we need to wake up. And I'm hoping that these images that we're seeing on the news and what we're watching will wake people up to recognize that they have a civic duty as well to these veterans who have given their lives to to this cause that was noble. And we need to recognize and now we're being able to see what we were able to do for people. And now we're seeing this, these freedoms being taken away just like that.
1: Yeah, you stated it very well, Charlie, I think uh, I think the public is. Uh, waking up uh, a little bit uh, to this and and what the veterans are going through. You know, for a long time throughout these uh, wars over the last 20 years, uh, the public has been presented with images that only show the physical injury, Mm -hmm. and those are horrific. And Veterans struggle dearly with trying to overcome them and to rehab, and if you've lost a hand or an arm or both arms, Mm -hmm. uh, how do you dress yourself, how do you eat, how do you care for yourself. and, and, and those uh, I, I don't diminish them in any way but sometimes uh, these emotional injuries mm-hmm. these moral injuries are even worse yeah because a piece of the soul is lost the yeah. heart is scarred and um, it is it is very difficult uh, and, and the veteran is different the, the the person who deployed is not necessarily the same person who returned and um, And so that presents a lot of challenges for uh, a marital relationship, Mm -hmm. a relationship with uh, kids, Mm -hmm. uh, employers, the community, parents, and they struggle with that. And uh, what we do here at Freedom Alliance is try to help them identify what those issues are that have caused them this injury so that they can uh, begin to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Or put it behind them, or overcome it, uh, in a way that allows them uh, to uh, accept the nobility of their service, mm-hmm. uh, their warrior status in society, and uh, be a leader uh, for the rest of us here on the home front, as they were overseas. Yeah.
0: Well, and it is—it's uh, the warriors and veterans have some wisdom that uh, they only they know because they have seen with their own eyes. And, they're, and heard listen with their own ears to some of the things that are uh, some of the very cold-hearted truths about life. And they understand how precious life is and how precious freedom is. I mean, we just do. And that is something that, across the board, all service, service members understand. And that's why I get so angry sometimes, Tom, is when you see some of these uh, the beautiful things, like that picture we just saw, and then you see... What's the the strategic policies that are happening up on the on the in our higher halls of government where they just misuse it? Because it's a soldier who's out there who's got to make those promises and who is making those promises and who's looking at these people eye to eye. And it's a soldier who ends up paying the moral price when those promises are broken. It's like we don't get I mean, when will our leaders from both parties stop playing politics with people's lives? and And recognize when we commit to something let 's commit to it because we are we have a job as Americans to be able to give people something that they probably never have had in their entire life hope
1: yeah i think uh, <clears throat> charlie the the politi- the price will be paid when uh our leaders uh, start feeling it themselves when you know when they have to pay the price themselves in a personal way, yes. either politically or, or personally or, or some other way, mm-hmm. um, and and I think whether it's uh, sending troops into combat, whether it is uh, some mm-hmm. other very difficult decision, if our political leaders would try to personalize it a little bit more mm-hmm. to put themselves in the shoes of others and to inject themselves into the lives of the public and understand where they're coming from and the difficult choices they're facing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe that would that would be a way to, to get us going, but you're absolutely right that uh, when they're so far removed from the situation on the ground and understand that uh, the, the, the extraordinarily difficult choices that our service members have to make. Yeah. Um, I don't think they they fully understand how that impacts them, not just in the moment, but potentially for a lifetime.
0: Yes, and that's why you know you see some of these uh, you know like the, some of the veterans that are reaching out. And I know you we're going to get to what uh, Freedom Alliance does here in just a moment, but you know on my end the things where, where people are reaching out. Why did what was it all for? Why why did we go? What was the purpose behind that? And then you think about and you hear these you know that there's Imagine this, you start putting yourself in other people's shoes and and you think about, there's a 19 year old and 20 year old girl out there somewhere in Afghanistan that was born before the war he'd even started and had her freedom her entire life. And now she's gonna be living under this Taliban rule. I mean, it's happening to millions and millions of women and girls all over there. And and they were going to school, they were being educated and the life that she knew it is now gone. And there was a former Army Ranger, Dr. Tony Brooks, said, we went over there to rid the world of the Taliban to watch them come back that fast. It feels like a complete waste of time. It was very disheartening. I I don't even care about the money. It's all the work and all the lives that were lost and changed forever. End quote. Tom, how can we ensure our veterans don't carry the shame of this exit because it wasn't their fault? And help them to understand their efforts did mean something. It wasn't a waste of time.
1: It's a um, it's a difficult question, Charlie. But uh, we, I think, I would address it this way: is first of all, our political leaders have to do a better job of defining uh, what it is we're doing and where we're going. Uh, we went into Afghanistan after 9-11, with 20 years removed from September 11th, 2001, in which uh, nearly 3,000 of our fellow citizens were killed in terrorist attacks in uh, Washington, New York, and Pennsylvania, and would have been others had not it been for the courage of other Americans on, on those planes. Um, and so we went into Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden to take out Al-Qaeda, and that was a noble, right uh correct purpose Mm -hmm. to go in Mm -hmm. but um and and service members should understand that the the congress of the united states through their constitutional authority gave them that authority to go in Mm -hmm. so that's one way to to think about it that you had the the right the authority the permission from your elected leaders to go in and do what you did but it was an open-ended um authorization for the use of force. And if we had either narrowed that, or scoped it in a different way, or made clear what exactly we were going to do and what we were not going to do, it might have been, maybe things would have been different, and our service members would have a better understanding of exactly what their mission and purpose was. And as an um, as an example, if you go back to the first Gulf War, you know, a lot of people had advocated that President Bush go all the way to Baghdad, mm-hmm. and he said, that's not, you know, that's not our mission, that's not our purpose, we just want to get Iraq out of Kuwait. And so that had, that had a definition. and. Uh, and I think there was a better outcome there, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the struggles that veterans face afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's one way of going about it. And and the other thing, and I, I don't mean to keep going back to it, but that photograph is just indicative of so many wonderful, good things, the lives that were saved. You know, I remember um, the story of um, of John Fry, who is a United States Marine who for whom the GI Bill scholarship is named after. And uh, there are wonderful stories of the heroism uh, that uh, that he showed throughout his time in the service. And, and one of them uh, is uh, that, uh, you know, he was on a rooftop one time, he was a sniper, and he, uh, he saw a young Iraqi child going into a backyard where explosives were, mm-hmm. and he was trying to get uh, the the attention of the child, but of course he didn't speak Iraqi, the child didn't understand him, and so he started playing peekaboo with this child, <laughs> and uh, and got his attention, and got him to move back to uh, a more safe place where other Marines could get him and save his life. Wow. And, uh, you know, the, that that is a life save, that is the life save of an Iraqi child, because John Fry, an American hero who has since or, or was killed in, in action later on, had um, the ability to improvise and uh, and show his fatherly skills and to save that child, and that child wouldn't be alive but for him. So while we're, we're facing uh, a very difficult time right now, all throughout these 20 years there have been this picture of... Uh, a Marine holding a baby, John Fry saving a child, another service member saving a, a woman from being raped, mm-hmm. others going into uh, a safe house and or, or uh, another place and saving mentally ill children. Mm-hmm. There are dozens and hundreds of examples of those. Focus on those veterans, yes. focus on your accomplishments, focus on the wins that you had, the lives you saved, the improvements you made the lives of others.
0: Absolutely, Tom. Uh, And that's, wow, that's such (laughs) an incredible story that you talked about, John Fry. And and there are so many of those stories uh, that are thousands and thousands of those stories uh, all across the board that we don't even know about that happen on a daily basis because the American soldier, the American veteran, the American sailor, airman, marine, coast guard, they have uh, at their core... Uh, are good people and they believe in goodness. There's a goodness about America that is extraordinary and we don't hear enough of those stories of those moments where you have somebody uh, seeing a child and pulling them out of the combat situation and enacting in that moment showing that moral courage to do something that would normally in other circumstances other countries they wouldn't do that and you know, we have to be able to hold on to those kinds of those those memories uh, of the good that we did, of the freedoms that we provided, the freedoms that we gave them, the, the, the opportunity to be able to open their minds. A whole generation was given an opportunity to taste something that they never had before. And that was freedom. And so there's so much good to take from it uh, in spite of what we're watching right now.
1: There, is, uh, there, is, there are so many accomplishments. There is so much uh, humanity that was uh, passed along. And uh, I would just encourage veterans and Gold Star families, those who lost a, a loved one over there uh, in Afghanistan or Iraq, to understand the, the difference that was made, uh, the smiles that were brought to the mm-hmm. faces of children, the hope that was given. And this is what the American servicemember does. And I said at the outset, they're our the finest diplomats, and they really are, because they carry that American flag on their sleeve, and it is uh, it is that uniform and that symbol to whom these people in distress run mm-hmm. and, and look for safety and protection. And um, and, and I think the families can uh, draw a lot of comfort in knowing. That uh, these service members, they're men and women of action. They want to solve problems. They mm-hmm. want to make the world better. Uh, they are the type of people who run into the fire and, yeah. uh, and and say, "I can make a difference." That's why we love them. That's why we admire them and honor them. And so they were doing what they wanted to do, what they mm-hmm. felt called to do, yes. and they did make a difference. Yes. And um, and I'm confident that they're in God's care, mm-hmm. and um, as are the veterans here at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in God's care. They're in your care, Charlie. I've seen how you work with them, and the uh, the, the way you open your heart to them. And, uh, and and at Freedom Alliance, we you know we we try to do our part as well. And mm-hmm. and although they're struggling, there's um, there are blessings in suffering, mm-hmm. and. Uh, They are going to be able, once they come out of this struggle that they're in, uh, to be able to help others in profound ways that they can't even imagine right now. Mm -hmm. And the combat veterans who are having a difficult time with this week's events, um, in several years, they're going to be in positions of influence uh, for which they will help other veterans, Mm -hmm. other military families other survivors of traumatic experiences, and they are going to make a difference in so many lives. I know that because I've seen it and you've seen it. And so my advice to them is, we know it's tough, we know it's difficult. Stick with it, Mm -hmm. don't give in to the demon. Just keep fighting and reach out to a trusted friend, call your buddies, check in with them, uh, check in with organizations like Freedom Alliance. The Veterans Administration put out a whole host of uh, numbers and resources that veterans can use um, and check in with trusted counselors like Charlie
0: because there there are a lot of people who are here for you and, and we will do whatever we can to help. And, and then I think that's a perfect segue, Tom, to be able to move into uh, what Freedom Alliance is and what its purpose is, you know, because I think uh, – uh, I think there's going to be a great need right after the, all of this uh, this fallout is completed. Um, could you tell us and share with us uh, you know what freedom Alliance is the purpose and the mission behind it and and uh, yeah just move on to where we can how it impacts uh, our veteran community
1: yeah freedom Alliance is we 're a nonprofit organization we 're here to uh, uh, honor and support uh, military service and uh, advocate for a strong national defense the organization was founded right at the time of the first gulf war and uh, really uh, was able to grow in in influence and abilities uh, to impact uh, military families after 9 11. and so uh, for 30 years we've been reaching out to families uh, to help them heal the wounds of war and we do that in a variety of ways Uh, there are everything from sending care packages to the troops who deployed overseas recreational rehab altering wheelchairs for amputees or those who are paralyzed because of their service Uh, we've given some uh, mortgage-free homes Uh, but a lot of what we do is is trying to work with uh, both the veteran and married couples to address moral injury as we'll get into more Uh, one of the things that we we also do charlie we mentioned the gold star families and uh, the uh, children are left behind from those who make the ultimate sacrifice for us is uh, we try we honor every one of those uh, who were killed in combat by providing college scholarships to their children Uh, we currently have uh, 558 students who are on scholarship this year alone we provided more almost 2.2 million dollars to those students And each of those scholarships is, obviously it's a practical support to to help with the rising cost of a college education, because that's getting out of hand, or long has gotten out of hand. But more importantly, each one of those scholarships is representative of a hero, Mm -hmm. of an American who raised his right hand and said, I will take an oath to support and defend this Constitution and my country, and I am willing to go abroad and do it. And the those sacrifices can never be forgotten by a
0: grateful nation and so that's uh that's the reason we give those scholarships oh, that's amazing <laughs> wow. um and i just find that you know when you when we when we really understand the uh the sacrifices that our veterans make and their families make uh, and that uh, you know to have organizations like freedom alliance that's there to be able to support them to give them opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have to be able to just give them a chance, to be able to go to school and go to college, to have a home. Oh my gosh, to, you know, and it just makes you feel like your sacrifice uh, was worth it and is, is valued. How does Freedom Alliance, um, you know, make an impact on the lives of the people that come to you? Could you give us a couple examples of lives that you have changed by Freedom Alliance?
1: Oh, there are you know there are so many, and uh, and it's it's hard to um, it's hard to talk about just one. But I think I'll I'll talk about one that I think is representative of others. Uh, young man, we'll call him Pedro, and uh, Pedro served more than 20 years in the army. He deployed uh, about four or five times. He was over in Iraq, and uh, just loved serving in the army. Loved serving his country. And uh, just a, a great guy. Yeah. Was impacted a lot by IEDs. Saw his share of those kinds of explosions. Uh, suffered injuries because of them—shrapnel, uh, post-traumatic stress, uh, traumatic brain injury—and when he left the army, and he didn't—he didn't necessarily want to. He was medically discharged. He wanted to keep serving, yeah. and and. That's a that's another discussion. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a decision okay. between wanting to continue to serve but uh, you know not being able to yeah. uh, and being <laughs> told that you're not able to that's very difficult. Uh, so he gets out and you know the struggles begin the employment the ability to concentrate and keep a job and uh, and do his daily chores uh, the nightmares and. That all impacts, uh, you know. It just it just rolls downhill, mm-hmm. and so Pedro went through a, a, many years of uh, difficulty relating to his children, to his wife, uh, issues within the marriage, hope, yeah. and employment, uh, struggling with his faith, uh, being angry with God, yeah. asking God, you know, wh- why are you doing this to me? Why me? What are you asking of me? And uh, and he's a spiritual man. He's somebody who has a deep faith and a, and a deep love of our Lord mm-hmm. and gets to a point in his life where he, he's not able to reconcile his personal circumstances with uh, you know, what he's read in the Bible and what he believes and what he learned in Sunday school. Um, and so he came to Freedom Alliance, and we worked with him. We, uh, we, we got him out on... A hunting trip. Uh, we put him in the company of other veterans, and over the uh, the course of years, Charlie, not just it's not just one event, and it's not a drive-through, you know, uh, rehab. Right. It is. It is, is, yeah. it is uh, intense personal involvement mm-hmm. in this person's life and the family's life, and I give. Credit to our incredible team here at Freedom Lines, who pours their hearts and souls into this, who um, takes these phone calls and and has these uh, events and meetings and counseling sessions at all hours of the night, on weekends, on holidays. Um, you know, this is not a nine to five type of assignment. It's just not. And uh, Pedro with us um, just came on numerous events. Uh, and we started seeing progress and uh he was uh, we, we were on an overseas trip with some of our supporters and we had a forum similar to this and i had both he and his wife uh, up on stage with me and we're, we're having a QA and for the first time pedro described his um, circumstances to, in a public forum wow. and revealed things that his wife had heard for the first time. Wow. And so it was very emotional, very um, oh, difficult, but very cathartic. And uh, and from there, um, we just kept moving forward and making progress, continuing to involve uh, him in our activities. Now, Pedro has a gift. He is a woodworker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the ability to work with his hands. And so as uh, part of his um Rehab, uh, one of his hobbies, is to uh, make some wooden gifts for other veterans. In some cases, it is you know a ceremonial key for a vehicle we might give away or a home we might give away or other things. But knowing that he is helping another veteran and paying tribute to another veteran yeah. through that activity is tremendously helpful to him. And Charlie, I'm proud to tell you that uh, just about two or three weeks ago, Pedro, who has been the recipient of this counseling and this recreational rehab and this therapy, led a group of four other married couples uh, on a retreat with Freedom Alliance, was the, the lead counselor, the chaperone, uh, the spiritual advisor, and, uh, and was able to help them. So what I said in the, you know, the previous answer that you're going to be a leader. I say that because we've seen it, Mm -hmm. and Pedro is just one of many who are in those kinds of uh, leadership positions now of being able to help and mentor other veterans because they've been there, they've done that, Mm -hmm. they've beat or suppressed the demon to a point that they're able to help others.
0: That's so brilliant, Tom. My goodness, what an inspirational story to showcase. What you do at Freedom Alliance and that it's impossible to be able to move from the woundings that you have, the moral injuries, the challenges, and to take those experiences and that you can convert it and move it into something good that helps others with their challenges, that it doesn't have to be something that traps us and locks us up into a certain way of thinking a certain way of being that we can and we do recover and we're able to hold those wounds or those challenges or those uh, memories in a very different way we're able to hold it with dignity and, re- and respect and, and self-respect uh, that enables us to be able to um, showcase that our the wisdom that we carry is one that understands the very precariousness of life, but also its beauty, too. That's right. Now, Tom, I know when we've talked a lot, (laughs) um, you've often used the term term wounds of war. Uh, What do you mean by that? Well,
1: um, you know, as I, um, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, a, a lot of civilians, a lot of the members of the general public, Believe that the wounds of war consist of an amputation or a a visible scar uh, on the face, on the, somewhere that you can see it and understand. Okay, that that person was in combat. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, but the wounds of war are are much deeper and much different. Uh, we just described Pedro's wounds of war: mm-hmm. um, moral injury, uh, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury. These are the kinds of things that we can't see, but that are deeply uh, disturbing or, or deeply difficult for veterans to live with. Now, how they manifest themselves comes out in a variety of different ways. And these are the kinds of struggles that uh, any veterans feel as they go through day-to-day life. For example, um, one of these maladies may result in the veteran not being able to do certain things he really liked to do, to go to the movies to sit in a dark theater and um, to, uh, to enjoy a movie. Why? Because those dark places, those um, uh, physical structures where the, the exits might not be um, as what they know to be safe and, and available to them, uh, are just provide them all kinds of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, Charlie, you go into a restaurant with a veteran, and often uh, they all say, <laughs> you know, do you mind if I take that seat? <laughs> yeah. Because that seat is yep. the one that is where their back is to the wall yep. instead of the rest of the, the restaurant and the mm-hmm. patrons. Why? Because, and I understand that the, the folks in your audience who are veterans get this and I don't mean to, you know, uh, be pedantic, but, uh, but to many civilians they don't understand. It's true. They, they want that seat against the wall because they want to be able to see the entire restaurant. They want to see what threats might be coming toward them Mm -hmm. and their loved ones who are gathered around the table with them. As we talked about earlier, these are people who are the rescuers. Mm -hmm. They are the defenders. They are the ones who are going to solve that problem which presents itself in the form of a threat. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be able to see what is all out there. Mm -hmm. Another thing that um, because many veterans particularly in afghanistan where there's only one road available uh, who have done those convoys that one road is littered with ieds roadsides explosives and so uh, one of the ways you get through that is to be a very aggressive driver or a very careful driver and so many veterans come back to the united states and they find themselves speeding or driving aggressively because they may be thinking I'm back in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and um, there might be something on the road that triggers uh, a memory or a visual that makes them believe there might be a bomb on that road. And so we have to—if if, the more we can be cognizant of this, the more we can understand the difficulties that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And you know, one result of beginning to understand the difficulties that veterans are going through, because some of these situations might get them in trouble. Mm-hmm there have begun to spring up some veterans courts, which are specialized courts uh, in which uh, judges and prosecutors and defenders uh, are more aware of the very unique challenges that veterans face. Mm -hmm. And so in the adjudication of justice, they will consider those extenuating circumstances. uh, And uh, and I think those are a, a wonderful outcome.
0: Well, and I think it is a wonderful outcome because you have to understand the, the way the brain changes. You know, when you're in any kind of trauma and you're constantly under threat, the brain is going to change how it processes the environment. It's going to see, look constantly look for cues of danger rather than for cues of safety. And so if we don't understand it, and if you've been in that place of chronic stress where your brain has been in that environment... Your brain is going to be uh, alert and on fire when there's danger, but when there's not danger, it's going to retreat back into uh, the amygdala area. It's going to be you know, su- subdued where everybody else's brain is alert and looking and, and enjoying themselves. And so we have to be able to understand that, that that's what's happening. And so those kinds of courts are helping to veterans to recognize that there's nothing wrong with you. This is just what happens when you've been in an environment where you had to be on alert all the time.
1: That's exactly right, and, uh, and and there are probably other areas of uh, you know, everyday life where we can take those extenuating circumstances into account and, and help veterans through it. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we just, we, we need to be more cognizant because these these vets are um, living among us, but as we're going through daily life and, you know, saying, hey, you want to go to a movie or you want to go to a ballpark or, or on a hike, um, they, they have injuries that don't allow them to do that. And we have, to, we have to understand what those injuries are and how we might be able to offer better solutions for their engagement with us as friends and, um, and, and neighbors.
0: Well, Tom, you and I met, we went at a healing retreat um, just about last month. And we were, uh, had some veterans that were up at an amazing place called the Fish Creek Ranch in Montana. And we did some transformational work there, including not only the activities, uh, the outdoor activities with uh, Freedom Alliance, but also the transformational work with Dr. Tick uh, and his work of working through the the process of the transformational model of moving from the tending and wounding to the initiated warrior. Um, You watched that whole process unfold. We were fishing and River rafting and then doing the deep soul work and the catharsis that occurred in the, in the veterans that attended. And these were combat veterans. Many of them hadn't been able to sleep, uh, had difficulty sleeping. And by the end of the process, they were sleeping. They were groggy. They were like, I'm feeling like I hadn't felt uh, in a very long time. You represent the public at large and the citizenry. And I want to get to the uh, the importance of, of public service here in just a moment. But as the citizenry, we have a responsibility to our to our veterans, because um, the citizen they, they our veterans serve are go in service to the to the citizenry that they're they're in service for. What was that like for you to participate and bear witness to the stories and the process that unfolded?
1: It was humbling. It was inspiring. It was eye-opening. Uh, it is um, it is a tremendous experience that uh, anybody who has the opportunity to participate in that kind of an event, I would highly encourage that they do so. And it is, um, I think, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I took out of that, Charlie, is that we as, as civilians, as citizens, we have to understand that veterans are carrying these, these very difficult burdens and we have to find ways to carry those burdens with them. Um, one thing that we do that has become a, a habit and norm in our society that is appreciated but um, sometimes not, not necessarily the best thing to say is we as civilians have a habit of saying to veterans, thank you for your service. <laughs> And um, the, the, the veterans appreciate it, but some of them struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Because I think what it does is, it, um, it places the burden of service on them, mm-hmm. as opposed to the civilian. That the, the veteran wants us to understand that, hey, we're all in this together, we all have a part to play. And even if you're not putting on the uniform of a sailor or a soldier or a Marine, you have an obligation, just as I do, to serve our country mm-hmm. in some capacity, in some way. What is your talent? Is it an intelligence? Is it being a police officer or a firefighter? Is it um, uh, taking care of our national parks? What is it that you can do as a, as a citizen um, because we all work, uh, America is a participatory exercise. Yeah. You know, we all have to have to play our part and bring to it uh, what we do best. You know, I, uh, some uh, some veterans like to joke that uh, when they hear somebody say "thank you for your service," they say, "Well, thank you for your taxes because I, <laughs> I <laughs> use them quite a bit." Um, yeah. But. I, I I guess I would uh, if it hasn't you know been said before I you know here on the council I would just uh, maybe begin the conversation of what what can we as civilians say or do differently to veterans other than thank you for your service because after twenty years it's beginning to be received in a way that's not always helpful.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. And I, you know, and and you were on the commission. Um, uh, let me see here. You were on the commission of that. Uh, the National Commission on Military, National, and Public Service um, back in 2017, uh, and you offered, uh, what was it, 164 recommendations uh, to Congress and the President to encourage public service. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the military. It can be what you talked about. So, But I w- the question I want to ask uh, you, Tom, is why are public servants vital to the health and security of the nation?
1: There's a a tremendous value that public servants bring to our everyday lives that uh, is often overlooked. Uh, Whether it's, uh, obviously we see the military, we see law enforcement, um, firefighters, uh, but nurses and uh, health inspections and and food safety inspectors and and people who perform these uh, jobs that are not always visible to us, not always in the forefront of our minds, but are which are tremendously important to uh, us living a healthy, safe life. And you know, now that we're 20 years out from 9/11, um, you know, I look at uh, the importance of public servants. I remember that day, Charlie. That yeah. was uh, that was an extraordinary day. Everybody remembers the the towers being hit and the plane going into the Pentagon. I want to remind you of public servants who did an incredible job that day, and that's air traffic controllers. They brought down, in in the matter of moments, moments, they brought down or put together a plan, bring down thousands of airplanes uh, into unscheduled landings, um, into airports they weren't supposed to go into. And the talent and the professionalism with which they did it was extraordinary. You had the Secret Service. You had the the, um, water taxi operators up in uh, New York City that took people out of Lower Manhattan into Staten Island uh, in the Bronx. You had uh, doctors and nurses and police and uh, certainly counselors and uh, people who immediately put uh, blood donation centers together. These are the kinds of public servants, whether they're working through nonprofit organizations, whether they're working through uh, local government or mm-hmm. federal government, that that make our uh, make our world go yeah. day in and day out. And many of them uh, don't don't get the credit uh, that they deserve. And I think our veterans, um, to to their credit, uh, our veterans are so humble. And yeah. so um, caring and, and wise, yeah. that they're, they're saying, "I did my job, sure. thank you. I, I appreciate the attention and, and everything, and I need it. Mm-hmm. But don't forget all these other people who did their jobs too."
0: Yeah, No, I, that's what I love. When we had that at the retreat we did uh, last month, uh, when we had everybody uh, speaking about uh, you know, what they were going to carry away from this and the wisdom that was coming out of them. I mean, it was just like, oh, you be proud. Everyone should be proud of the right. men and women who serve. And what from is deep of,
1: uh, You know, young men and women who are in their 20s and 30s, to, to, to hear the wisdom <laughs> coming from them, the uh, life experiences that they've already uh, seen and conquered, yes. the, um, the, the noble nature of their remarks and their actions, inspires
0: me. Oh, it's humbling. It's so inspiring. And that's why, you know, I, I love what Freedom Alliance does. I love the work that you do, sir, and how dedicated and how committed you are to the veteran cause and to helping them. And it's unbelievable what you have done and, ha- and how you have served them in your capacity. It is absolutely incredible. And I and I love that, you know, we're, we're having this conversation about the importance of civilians and and you know reassembling reconnecting the social contract you know that we have even though only one percent of the population serves they are serving the 99 percent. they are the ones that are serving all and there is a process and we need one of the critical things that i've come to understand in healing is that we need our communities we needed to do it in community and our communities and our nation would benefit. I believe if they heard these stories and were witnessed and honored these veterans' wounds and their courage and their tenacity so that our veterans don't have to carry these things alone and that we become better stewards of the values and the, and the freedoms that we cherish. Do you agree, Tom?
1: I do. Uh, we, we do need to hear these stories uh, from the veterans because they are eye-opening, they're incredible, they're inspiring. And, uh, but the manner in which we do it, uh, I think is is challenging, because I'm not sure that most of our mainstream media is the vehicle through which these stories ought to be told. I think a, a program like yours, Charlie, here on the council you provide a long form uh, format that allows healthy back and forth. Uh, might be one way to do it, uh, but being in the setting, being in the room around that campfire and hearing these veterans is obviously the best way. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that uh, in in a a stadium or an arena. It has to be done in a very personal setting. And because the veteran needs to be able to tell that story Mm -hmm. and needs the space and the room and the time to tell that story. Mm -hmm. But what's most important, Charlie, is you know he or she needs the attention of the person in the room. Mm-hmm. you got to put down the phone. you got to get rid of the distractions. Mm-hmm. You have to make time and be there for them. Yes. You have to hear them, not hear what you want to hear, hear what they want to say.
0: Exactly. That's exactly right, Tom. And it's uh, in order to achieve that catharsis, which we want for them to achieve, they have to be seen, they have to be heard, and they have to be witnessed and uh, and it can be a struggle and a challenge, but at the same time, what you're taking that poison that's inside of them, and you, it has to come out, it has to be cleansed out, it has to get out of their heart, because the wound is here, it's in their soul, and when you do, the changes you see in them, and we witnessed it, uh, you know, last month, is we, you give their lives back, you give them their life back, and to their families. Tom, I can't believe we're at the end of the show. <laughs> um, I would love for you before we close out just to share uh, some upcoming events. You know how people can support Freedom Alliance, how the uh, concerned citizens can get involved, and also to to let veterans know uh, that are struggling right now how to how to reach out to you.
1: Uh. Listen Charlie this has been a wonderful conversation and I'm, I really appreciate you having me on the program to do it. Uh, this is uh, the work the Freedom Alliance does is something that to me is is important it's inspiring because we're we're changing lives and in many cases we're even saving lives. And so I I hope that uh, those who are listening to us today uh, will check out our website freedomalliance.org uh, if you like what you heard, if you are confident that uh, Freedom Alliance is the vehicle to help veterans, consider a contribution. We need all the resources we can get because we have to be ready any time a veteran needs us. You know, when, when the when the thing hits the fan, we can't be scrambling for the resources. <laughs> They've got to be available. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so uh, visit our website, make a contribution. Coming up with one of our great partners, Loan Depot, the online mortgage company, in October in Southern California, we're going to have a War Heroes on Water tournament. We'll have a hundred combat veterans out on the waters of Southern California on uh, about 30 or 35 uh, different boats. Uh, The owners of these boats were extraordinarily generous to donate them their boat, their crews, and uh, And allow veterans uh, a weekend of wonderful conversation, great fishing and, and terrific camaraderie. those are some of the things we have coming up charlie and, and uh, it's uh, it 's life changing work, and yes. we really appreciate everybody yes. who gets involved and, and helps us to do it
0: uh, <laughs> and that 's fantastic
1: <laughs> and one other thing Charlie I just, I just want to end on a, a, on, on a happy note, I want to thank you first for having me on, and the honor of being on uh, the Council's 100th program. So I got you a present, uh, I got you, <laughs> this, is, this is the present in, in honor of the Council's 100th episode, a little wow. balloon here, and I just want to clarify, because I know you recently had a birthday. I did. This represents a hundred of the Council's programs, not the number of years you've been on the show. <laughs>
0: Oh, thank you, Tom. That's so I'm I'm honored by that so much. Thank you, thank, you, thank <laughs> you're,
1: you. You're doing great work, and you're providing tremendous service to veterans and the philanthropic community, and and everybody who wants to get involved in helping uh, veterans uh, get through these these very difficult circumstances. And one last word, if I have if I have a moment, sure. I wanna I wanna end with the way we began. To our veterans, mm-hmm. you are loved. You are appreciated. You are honored and respected. This is a difficult time. We know that, but the resources are out there for you. Focus on the positive. Call your friends. Call your buddies. Get a phone chat going. Mm-hmm. Call Freedom Alliance if you need us to help you organize uh, an online discussion of what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Um, and pray. Yes. Reach out to our
0: Lord because he is available to you just as we are. Yes. God bless you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. What an honor. Thank you for being here on this show, for um, keeping and sharing all the the wisdom that you've shared today with us and uh, for making this 100th show so extraordinarily special. Um, Thank you, folks, for tuning in to the council. I'm going to bring the picture back up, if you don't mind, Tom, as we close out. I would love to be able to let people see what our veterans, the true nature, the true heart, of our veterans right there that is what we represent that's who we are and uh, folks thank you for tuning into the council today on this extraordinarily special 100th show may you all be well may you all be free of pain and suffering may you all be whole god bless you everyone we'll see you in a couple weeks